Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. The ABCs of the gospel have become a guidestone of sorts for the Mideast prophecy updates. Pastor J.D. is now receiving many reports of others all over the world using this same simple method of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And the reports are that many are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on August 12, 2018. New U.S. sanctions against Moscow drove down Russia's ruble while worries that Turkey was sliding into a full-blown economic crisis battered the lira on Thursday. But, and this is interesting, global equity markets largely shrugged off the turmoil to edge higher. Could it be, as we just mentioned in the aforementioned promise of Genesis 12, 2 and 3, could it be that God is blessing America because America is blessing Israel? Maybe that's a rhetorical question. Make no mistake about it, Russia will not sit idly by, and according to Ynet News, regards this as an economic war if the United States imposed a ban on banks or a particular currency. You know what I love about this president? And, you know, it's interesting. Whenever I talk about President Trump, if I say something critical, oh my goodness, I mean, I just am excoriated. And then if I go over to this side and... and say something, you know, good about what he's doing. Oh, I'm sorry. It's one of those textbook cases of damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I just got to pick which way I want to be damned. All right. It might be a strong way to say it, but there you have it. So <laughs> what I love about President Trump is that nobody knows what he's going to do. And they, but here's what they do know. They don't know what he's going to do, but they know that he will do something. (laughs) I like that. So Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev was quoted as saying, I would not like to comment on talks about future sanctions, but I can say one thing. If some ban on banks' operations or on the use of one or another currency follows, it would be possible to clearly call it a declaration of economic war. Economic war. 
And it would be necessary, it would be needed to, here's that word, react to this war economically, politically, or, listen, if needed, by other means. And our American friends need to understand this, he added. (laughs) Them are fighting words. Them are fighting words from a country that is being backed into an economic corner and could potentially be on the verge of an economic collapse. Maybe this is another topic for another time, but I hope you understand that during the seven-year tribulation, there's going to be a one-world economy, which implies that all of the world's economies, all of the world's currencies are completely done away with, which would infer that there is some sort of an economic collapse on a global scale in order to usher in this one-world economic system. And it will come by way of this mark from the Antichrist, without which no one will be able to buy or sell. And I hope you understand that the technology for that is already here and has been. It's just a matter of the green light to go ahead with it. This is where it's all going. Well, here's where I'm going with this. I want you to think this through with me. And see if you agree with me when I say this. Wouldn't it stand to reason that at some point, something has to give? And soon? Wouldn't you agree that currently, geopolitically, this is unsustainable? And by unsustainable, I mean it's that proverbial rubber band that can only be stretched so far and for so long before it snaps. It's my belief that these nations specifically are being stretched too far and for too long, and it won't be long before it snaps and they have to make their move. It's very interesting to me talking about, again, the details in Ezekiel 38, of which there are many, that God says he himself will put a hook, a hook, turn them around, draw them in via Syria from the north, from the far north, and bring them in to attack Israel by land, by land, from the north, to take a spoil. Suffice it to say, everything is lined up perfectly. I don't know how it could be any more exact. I don't know how it can be any more perfect. And I'll take it a step further and suggest, and I want you to think about this too, wouldn't it also stand to reason that it couldn't be at this point for very much longer? Look at how much has happened just in the last three years, and now fast forward the clock to even three years from now. Would all of this still be in place? No, I don't believe so. What are you saying, Pastor? Are you saying the rapture is going to happen the next? Please don't do that. 
No, I'm not. No man knows the day or the hour, but here's what we can know. We are very close. We are very close. I don't think it's possible to overstate the urgency of the hour in which we live today. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and even how soon. And certainly, there are many who believe that the rapture will take place prior to or even in concert with the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38's prophecy. And if that's the case, and it absolutely could be, then the time is at hand. Because if we're seeing things that will ultimately be fulfilled in, at the beginning, or during the seven-year tribulation beginning to come to pass now, and the rapture is before the seven-year tribulation, and it is, and it has to be, then wouldn't that mean that we're that much closer? And if we're that much closer, then wouldn't that also mean that it's incumbent upon every single one of us to be ready? And I'm talking chiefly to Christians. I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome about waking up. He's he's writing to the church, to Christians. Wake up! Wake up from your slumber. You're sleeping. You need to wake up. The, The time is at hand. Our salvation draws nearer now than when we first believed. Get up and get dressed and put off the deeds of darkness. And even lists them with specificity there. It's time for a sleeping church to wake up. It's time for a drowsy Christian to wake up. The time is at hand. The hour is late. That's for the Christian. What about those who are not Christians? Well, again, I don't know if it's possible to overstate the lateness of the hour. And this is why... At the end of our prophecy updates, we always share the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. We continue to receive um, emails and comments and even letters sent from people all over the world sharing with us how they have these ABCs of salvation and they're using them to share the gospel with people and people are getting saved. And now they have something, they're, they're now equipped, <laughs> and they have something, a, a simple tool that can be used to share the gospel, which for most Christians, I would even venture to say all Christians, it's the most terrifying thing that we could ever do, because we're afraid they're going to reject us. <laughs> I hope that, I don't mean to sound so, you know, That was kind of mean, I guess. Maybe I'm sorry about that. But what are we afraid of? Are you kidding me? We have the answer. We have the cure for spiritual cancer, as it were. And we don't want to share it with a lost and dying world in the lateness of the hour in which we live. It's incumbent upon all of us. What is the gospel? The gospel is a word that means good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. It's kind of a legal term. You owe a debt, and you can't pay that debt. 
and then somebody pays that debt in your stead, and now you're set free. That's what the word gospel means, good news. Your death penalty has been paid in full. You're free, and again, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that's the gospel. Paul declares and even defines the gospel writing to the Corinthians and the Thessalonians as Jesus crucified, buried, and rising again on the third day, and he's coming back again one day. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Now, how do we respond to the gospel? It's very childlike simple. It's ABC simple. The A is for admit that you're a sinner. Acknowledge your sin and your need for the Savior. Romans 3 verse 10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Save one, Jesus the Christ. The only one who was perfect and righteous without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle, without sin. Romans 3.23 says, All, key word, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Interesting, we uh, on Thursday night were in the book of Psalms. Oh, by the way, it is such a blessing. David in, uh, I want to say it's about Psalm 34, uh, might, be, might even be 32 and 33, uh, which are prophetic, pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. And it's really interesting because he he asks God to forgive him of his sin. Then he also says transgressions, and then he also says iniquity, and they're all different. Transgression is transgressing God's law. This is knowingly and deliberately disobeying God's law, God's perfect standard of righteousness. You know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. That's a transgression. You know what sin is? Sin is an archery term that means missing the mark. So for those who are into archery, you you shoot, you're trying to hit the bullseye, but you miss the bullseye, they would call that sin. It's an archery term. You've fallen short of the perfect bullseye of God's standard of righteousness. That's what sin means. And here, Paul is saying, we've all missed the mark. None of us have hit the bullseye. Well, we tried. We tried. But we didn't hit the bullseye. And we've fallen short of the glory of God. We're all born sinners, which is why we must be born again. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. This is the death penalty that is pronounced on every single one of us in the guilt of our sin. That's the bad news. We've all been sentenced to death for all eternity. Now here's the good news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what's interesting about a gift? You don't pay for it. If you pay for it, it's not a gift, is it? Uh, but somebody had to pay for that gift. Oh, yeah. You know who paid for that gift in full? With his life, in his blood, because of his love? Jesus Christ. He paid it. He paid for that gift. And he offers that gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, free for the taking. That's the A. Here's the B. The B is for believe in your heart 
that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Why is that important? Because Jesus had to rise again from the dead to defeat death in order to pay for that death sentence, that death penalty. And this is what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will, not might, not could, not should, will, will be saved. And here's the C. It's for call upon the name of the Lord. can also be for confess with your mouth. I was just thinking about a... Uh, in fact, I might show it. In fact, I might even ha- have it put on our website. So we have this guy in, uh, online member in Costa Rica who did an animation of the ABCs of salvation. It is so cool. I can't wait to share it with you. We'll do that uh, here sometime soon. But it's an animation of the ABCs of salvation. And it's very simple. It's like two, two and a half minutes. Uh, one good thing about it is... Um, I don't think I can do this in two and a half minutes. It takes me a lot longer, but it just goes through it uh, very succinctly and very uh, uh, good. But the C is for call or confess with your mouth. And this is what Romans 10, 9, and 10 also says. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. You know, this is a a public confession. This is a, a, a verbal voicing and vocalizing outwardly of the decision, the most important decision you've ever made in your life inwardly. That's what our water baptism is going to be. It's a public declaration outwardly of an inward salvation inwardly. Romans 10, 13, lastly, this seals the deal. It says all, there's that word all, all have sinned. Now watch this. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't want to assume anything, and I certainly don't ever want for these ABCs of salvation to become rote. And by that I mean I I don't want them to become so mundane because that's just what we do when we do what we do at the end of each prophecy update. And I make no assumptions. You might be here in this beautiful church that God's given us that I'm privileged to pastor. And this may not be your first time here, but you have never called upon the name of the Lord. If your death, I don't mean to be morbid, but I need to be honest. If your death was to precede the rapture, do you have that assurance that when you take your last breath here, that you'll take your first breath in eternity with Him? The Bible says you can know. You can have that assurance. You can know that you have eternal life. And it's a prayer away. All who call upon the name of the Lord, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, will be saved. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord, I implore you today. Listen, I... 
So I get up here every week and have since the year 2006. That's uh, 12 years now. And I've been doing these prophecy updates with the exception of Resurrection Sunday and, and Christmas. And for 12 years, I've been talking about how Bible prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. But I'm here to tell you that I have never seen it like this before. Well, Pastor, you said that before. Yeah. But there are certain details, as we just looked at, that are falling into place exactly as God's Word said they would. And I don't know how much longer it's going to be like this because what's in place right now may not be in place very much longer. It's that proverbial strike while the iron's hot. Iron's very hot. And today is the day of salvation. Maybe today for you, you are saved. And I praise the Lord for that. But maybe you've kind of wandered away sort of cooled towards the things of the Lord. Maybe today is a, a day of recommitment and renewal and a reference point that from this day forward, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If it is, then I really encourage you to set that right before you leave the church today. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Again, I don't mean to be morbid, but I've done so many memorial services over the years as a pastor for people who had no idea that that last Sunday they were in church was the last Sunday they would ever be in church. That that last day that they went to work, that would be the last day that they would ever get up and go to work. You never know. You never know. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I... I thank you for the grace of your people, their their patience with me as I share and speak your truth from your word of truth. Lord, I pray for anybody that's here today or watching online that has never called upon you that today they would put their trust in you, surrender to you, and call upon you and be saved. And Lord, for any who today find themselves in that place where the fire that they once had doesn't quite burn as brightly as it once did. And there has, truth be known, been a leaving of their first love. Lord, as you had John write to the church in Ephesus, remember the first works. Repent and repeat to turn back. That there would be a a genuine repentance from a godly sorrow. No regret, just a true repentance, a, a turning back to you. Lord, thank you. We love you so much. And Lord, (laughs) Maranatha, come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. 
Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Now, in the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in his love.